Welcome to Window of Opportunity, a Stargate rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 3, Episode 6, Point of View. Yay. Did you remember this one? Yes. I... I mean, this is like all of them, right? I only <laughs> vaguely remembered it. And then I rewatch. I did not like rewatching it. I did not like this one. No. no. Really? Interesting. Because no. I remember how much, you know, we have talked about, you know, the, the Sam, Jack thing and whether or not people yes. like it, whether or not people wanted them to be a couple. Yes. And this particular episode, the writers were like, we're just we're just going to give them a little bit. We're going to give the fans just a little bit of what they want, yeah. but not really what they want. Just a little just a little off to the left what they want. And I just found it flat out awkward. Yeah, which I did when I was reading through like message boards and, you know, people's thoughts and stuff about this episode. I did find an interesting thing where because I remember when um and I believe it was there before the grace of God, the first time the sort of alternate universe Jack Sam stuff came up and we're trying to figure out the timeline of it. Somebody had a theory about that. We can maybe talk about it like at the end or maybe when we get to at some point when the Jack Sam stuff actually comes into the episode Yeah. and see if we, if, if we like that theory about the sort of the timeline of yeah. Jack and Sam being a couple okay. in like actuality. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I like it. Okay. Um, before we actually get into this episode, a little bit of news. Uh, Amazon has acquired MGM Studios. So that means Amazon now owns Stargate and a whole bunch of other stuff, including like James Bond. But we're here for world domination. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So, uh, but we're here about the Stargate news. Uh, unfortunately, don't know what that actually means for Stargate. If Stargate will now actually be leaving Netflix and going back to Amazon at some point, I imagine at some point that will happen. There's just no sort of additional information as far as what this actually means and what they're doing with the properties that they now own. But, you know, keep your eyes out, keep your ears out. If Netflix suddenly drops Stargate, maybe go take Amazon and see if it's there. Yeah, I guess we'll all have to figure that one out together, won't we? Yes, but I, I will keep myself apprised of like Twitter and news sites. And once we know stuff, we'll pass it along. Yeah. Okay. All right. So point of view. That's why we're here this week. And this episode originally aired on July 30th, 1999. And the story is by Jonathan Glasner, Brad Wright, Robert C. Cooper, and Tor Alexander Valenza. So there were a lot of like writers on this episode with the teleplay specifically by Jonathan Glasner and Brad Wright. And it was directed by Peter DeLuise. Yay. And and in this episode, SG-1 must be an alternate reality from a ghouled invasion after duplicates of Samantha Carter and Charles Kowalski come through the quantum mirror. This episode also felt really long, didn't it? It did, even with the weird Netflix cut-to-black non-commercial commercial breaks. Yeah, like they do. I was like, is this still happening? I guess it is. Okay. Yeah. Um. Okay. So since we have multiples of Samantha Carter and stuff for simplicity's sake throughout this, I will be referring to the characters in reality that we know as Major Carter and the SGC and the alternate reality will be Dr. Carter and the SGA. So like SGC and SGA will sort of encompass like Earth and, you know, the general people of that reality. So Major Carter is us. Dr. Carter is them, if you will. Got it. To keep things clear. Nice. So this episode opens in a storeroom at Area 51, and we see it being guarded by lasers, and the camera sort of pans over a whole bunch of stuff, including the, the gamekeeper chair, which is always fun to see, all the all the stuff they've supposedly kept, and some stuff that is just random things that are supposed to be, hey, they must have gotten that at some point. And it, the camera then settles on the quantum mirror as it activates. And through it, we see a long-haired Samantha Carter who yells for Major Kowalski as they appear to be in a firefight with an unseen enemy. He yells that they got to go back for the general. She insists that they have to go like right now or else she might not find this specific window again. So he tosses a grenade down the hall and they come through the mirror. And so they start to leave 
the storeroom that they're now in when Sam walks through one of those lasers and immediately an alarm sounds and they are quickly surrounded by soldiers. They put their weapons down as ordered and Sam introduces herself as Dr. Samantha Carter from the SGA and Major Kowalski before asking to speak to the commander as we then cut to the opening credits. Take me to your leader, as it were. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. I know you have an opinion. What do you think about Amanda's wig? You know, I did think the wig was okay. Yeah, it's not bad. Not as awesome of a hairstyle for Amanda Tapping in general, but the wig no. itself, not bad. Yeah. It's got it's got that late 90s really curled under ends. It does. <laughs> Just like, that is, that is a very late 90s hairdo for people I, out there. It did take me a little bit to analyze, like, is it a wig or is it just, like, hair extensions? I'm wondering if it's maybe a partial wig and sort of the front bangs are her hair and then the long bit is a wig, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because, like, the front, like, the bangs, the shorter part seems kind of very glued to her head <laughs> in a way that I don't doesn't seem very wig-like, but I don't know. Like the 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 front the front bang is a little weird for me. Just, yeah, but it seems like a different color. Yeah, that like too. A, like a brighter blonde, so I think it actually was a full wig. Okay. I'm going full wig. Okay. Good to know. <laughs> My unprofessional opinion. <laughs> Your completely unprofessional opinion. All right. Uh, so when we come back from the opening credits, uh, we see Jack entering the infirmary in civilian clothes, asking what the big emergency is. And he looks very, very curiously at Dr. Carter. And she is also very surprised to see him because apparently where she comes from, he is dead. And my one little question about the scene is like, she looks at him and is like, it's me, Sam, which doesn't make sense because she knows she's in an alternate reality. Like when that happened to Daniel in there before the grace of God, it made sense for me. Like, why don't you know me, Sam? It's me, Daniel. Cause he had no idea he was an alternate reality, but her like, it's me, Sam. I like, for some reason is weird here because she knows she's in an alternate reality. Yeah. I, I completely agree. There's, there's a lot of things about them in the alternate reality where they're like shocked to learn things are different when it's like you obviously have had more practice at this you know you're in someplace completely different yeah like you (laughs) purposefully went to an alternate dimension you can't be shocked that things aren't the same yeah like I get maybe the sort of initial oh crap he's not dead here you know after seeing him die three days ago as she says later you know could be a bit of a shock but sort of after that it's like Okay, I don't know. But, yeah. 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 Weird. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so Kowalski then comes in, and Jack is surprised to see him, and there's some back and forth about stuff, and Jack is trying to like, okay, what the hell is going on? Because people are just sort of like talking, and Dr. Frazier's like, this is actually Major Kowalski, and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, okay, but what is happening? Why are they here? What's going on? Yeah. Who so, are you? Where are you from? What's going on? Please tell me everything. Which I saw an interesting comment because we've mentioned this a few times that Richard Dean Anderson plays Jack O'Neill a little quote unquote dumb for sort of his rank and how he was in the movie and stuff. And I saw somebody possibly explain it as Jack is sort of the audience surrogate. So Jack's one that asks the questions that the audience has of, I don't understand, please explain it to me. Mm. Because like, Sam and Daniel are very smart scientific people. They can't ask, I don't understand, please explain it to me. Because mm-hmm. it wouldn't make sense for them to say it. So they kind of had to give that to Jack. Oh, yeah, that's a very interesting perspective. I like that. And I think that's probably true. Yeah. I do think sometimes they play up the I'm a dumb jock kind of thing. Whereas just like, I don't have the kind of education you have. Can you please explain this to me? In yeah. simpler terms. I think maybe they kind of sometimes push a little too far into me dumb man territory. But in general, I think that works as an explanation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm good with it. Okay. Uh, so what's going on here is uh, Hammond informs him that they appeared in a Nellis high security lockup. And Kowalski confirms that they came through the mirror. Yes, Jack, that alternate reality thing that Daniel messed with. Because their world was just taken over by the Gould. Mm. 
Don't know. So up in the briefing room, SG-1 and Hammond are watching Dr. Carter being interrogated off camera by director Peter DeLuise. Nah. In, 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 in an uncredited cameo. And it seems like he's, we're sort of at the end of the sort of interrogation where she's told him over and over again who she is, where she's from, what's going on. And she keeps asking to speak to somebody at the SGA. And they're like, there's, the SGA doesn't exist. So she's like, okay, what about the Stargate project, Stargate, Stargate Command? And then that finally gets his attention. He's like, what do you know about the Stargate? And she's like, I know everything because I'm the one who got it working, as she has already said like 800 times before now. So pause the interrogation for a moment. And Major Carter's like, this is just really weird, really weird, which I mean, it would be if I were in her shoes, I'd be like, I don't know if I like this. (laughs) This is all after she was in the infirmary. Yes. I'm trying to place when all this happened. This was after the infirmary, after she had already seen Jack. Then they were like, oh, we should ask her a whole bunch of questions. And oh, no, 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 no. The interrogation is before. Like the interrogation, they're still at Nellis. Okay. On the, on the I couldn't put together the timeline at which that tape happened. Okay. No, the tape happened before they were brought to the SGC. Mm. You, can, you can see at the bottom, it says like Nellis Air Force Base on this, the screen where the tape is playing. So, oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So the interrogation is before. Now they're in the infirmary and now they're here. Mm-hmm. Um. So Daniel sort of questions, like, this isn't the Dr. Carter I met because she's, like, dead, right? So, yeah, so this is an alternate, alternate Carter, which just seems to break Jack's brain even more. And as Tilk says, which reality is real? Which, very good question, Tilk. Who knows? Oh, yes. Way to ask the philosophical questions. Yes. Who are Uh, we? Yeah. Uh, General Hammond then starts the tape again, and Dr. Carter explains the multiverse theory that every decision is a fork in the road leading to infinite possible universes, and Major Carter agrees with her, well, herself, me. Um, And so Dr. Carter and Kowalski have asked to be debriefed, and Hammond wants SG-1 to assist. So they're shown in, and Kowalski immediately goes to attack Tilk, because Tilk is the first prime that led the attack on Cheyenne Mountain before he's sort of held back by some MPs that are in the room. And Daniel interjects that Tilk is a member of SG-1. And so is he. And he is Dr. Daniel Jackson, because apparently they don't have a Dr. Daniel Jackson either, like in the other alternate reality we saw. This was a totally, this was absolutely another moment where they were like, you know, you're in a different reality. Why are you like freaking out right now? Yeah. Like, why Why would he be moving to punch Tilk at the table when he's sitting calmly at the table in an alternate reality? And why would he be like, who are you, Daniel Jackson? Like, yeah, <laughs> it's like it's it's like they know, but they they don't comprehend it or something. It's I don't. It's, it's weird. weird. So General Hammond then like expresses his sympathy for what they've gone through and citing the intelligence that Daniel received on his mission to, well, the SGC mission to P3X233, which is actually P3R233, so a little goof there, as uh, a, a help as to why their reality hasn't been overtaken by the Gould and apparently the other SGA, they also found their quantum mirror there as well. So there seems to be some similar so there seem to be some similarities that are very close. Like the these realities are very close to each other. They're just sort of just just a little off. And there's then a bit of a tense moment as uh, between the Sams, as Major Carter mentions that some of the differences between the worlds as the reasoning for them not being overrun by the Gould, which seems to completely downplay the intelligence Daniel received as being like the reason why. They didn't get invaded by the gold. It was a little weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then, and she mentions, you know, like Tilk defecting and all this stuff. And one of the things being her joining the Air Force. Oh, because Dr. Carter didn't join the military. She didn't make a difference. And that's not what she's saying. Ladies, Sam's, can we please move on? So it seems Dr. Carter's got a bit of a bee in her bonnet about something. Yes. So. So that Hammond's hit home somehow a little bit. Yeah. Know. So Hammond's like, okay, what, what is like, why did you come here? What do you want from us? Like, why, what can we do? And basically they want to stay 
here because their beta site was instructed to bury the gate once everyone was through the Stargate on their side and the SGA facility is a complete loss so they can't go back. Okay, Hammond will talk with his superiors and see what can be done and they're given temporary quarters on base. So after they leave the briefing, Major Carter goes to catch up with Dr. Carter as she's being shown um, to a room and apologizes for what she said earlier. And it's just Dr. Carter's just having a hard time with this and the fact that we were able to fend off the invasion because she knew the Gould were coming for six months before they actually showed up and she still couldn't stop it. So she's a little like, I couldn't do it. Like, I couldn't do it, which is Mm. a weird thing to think, I think. It is a weird thing to think. And it just, you know, leads all sorts of questions of like, how did you know what is is going on? Also, so the like the entire planet Earth is overrun with gold, right? Is is what we're meant to believe or just like the mountain? I, be- I believe we are meant to understand the entire planet has been overrun. Okay, because that makes the ending interesting. Yeah. Okay, that's something to keep in mind when we get there. I didn't really sort of track that all the way to the end, but yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's let's bring that up when we get there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so Dr. Carter then like gets to her room, and as she sits down on the bed, she takes a picture out of one of her pockets, and it is a wedding photo of her and Jack. Oh, didn't see that one coming. No, which I have to admit is just a really cute picture of Rick and Amanda. It is. As much as I'm not a Sam Jack shipper, like, that's just a really cute picture of those two people. Who do you suppose kept it? I think Amanda kept it. Yeah. Yeah. It totally would be a keeper. Yeah. So we then cut to Hammond's office where he's on the phone and Jack is there waiting. And apparently Hammond has given the been given the okay to let them stay and Hammond seems just a little weary of this because he's like there's a line that shouldn't be crossed so I think he still doesn't quite grasp the whole alternate dimension and what that means and why they're here and how they're here and but he's like but okay they can stay so they'll stay and will somehow be incorporated into the SGC command structure so Jack goes to tell Dr. Carter the good news and this scene is just awkward, and I don't really like yeah, it. It's so awkward and awful and just meh. Because she still, she knows she's in an alternate reality, but still can't grasp that this is not her Jack. It's just, it's weird. And this is where Jack finds out that they were married because he sees the picture there. And apparently what happened was, like, they were celebrating their one-year anniversary when, well, not the when not the invasion didn't start, but when the satellites first registered the Gould ships entering the solar system. Um, so they just kind of like blew up the candles, left everything on the table and apparently headed to Cheyenne mountain and never went back. And which is like, okay, so I, I just, I don't like, what's the time frame? Now? How quickly can a Gould ship get from the outer reaches of the solar system to earth? Cause that's gotta be a while. Um, and they never went home or anything which i mean i know i i guess they would be working as much as they could to try and yeah, stop it but to prepare yeah yeah but um and so jack kind of wants to just like leave her be and thinks he's like i'm not the person for this job and what you're going through but she insists he's the only one who can because he's him but not and so he kind of just grabs her in a hug and she starts crying again she's kind of been crying through this whole scene slowly i mean all the props to Amanda. Amanda's acting in this episode is great. Just, I think the story and the writing is just not pulling it all together for me. Yeah. I mean, I guess the, the redeeming part of her going through what she's going through is Jack died, like, her Jack died, what, like, three days before that? Yeah. In front so, of her. She And apparently she saw him die. So, I mean... We both know, like, when a loved one dies, like, it takes a few days to fully sink in. And so if yeah. it, if it, if, like, in that time frame, you suddenly see that person, you're going to be going through some shit. Yeah. Plus, I mean, she didn't have time to grieve. They were under attack. Or like, shit, Jack's dead. Oh, shit, I got to go help these people over here. And there's, there's no time to really process, yeah. if you will, like, what has actually, that her husband has been killed. Yeah, and and right when that starts to happen, you see them, yeah. another them. Yeah. So yeah, you'd be you'd be going through some shit. Yeah. So I guess sure. that is the redeeming factor of 
at least that scene, but yeah. still, it's just awkward and weird. Yeah, yeah. So Jack finally leaves Dr. Carter's room and meets up with Major Carter in the hall. She had told Kowalski the good news and wanted to see how Dr. Carter was doing. And Jack kind of waves her off and is like, maybe come back tomorrow. And he then asks how she's doing. Like, how are you, Major Carter, doing with this whole thing? And Major Carter just jokes, got a couple hours. (laughs) And Jack seems to actually take that seriously and is kind of like, yeah, I do. You want to talk? And she's like, that was my answer. I don't really want to talk to you about this, but oh, okay, okay, fine, good night then. And okay, thanks. They go, they said, but yeah, thanks, but no. Um, I liked that exchange with them where he actually offered, like, yeah, I do have a couple hours. I'll be here for you, man. And she's like, oh, but um, no. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it was nice. Like Jack is maybe learning something, mm-hmm. which is always good to see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we then cut. Back inside Dr. Carter's room, either right after or sometime later, and she's, like, brushing her hair, and she drops the brush, and her face starts, like, glitching, if you will. Like, it's it's doing that weird blurry thing to indicate, hey, something weird is happening to this person. Yes. It's a a classic 90s special effect of weirdness. Yes. Very Mm -hmm. 90s. So we then cut to everyone in the infirmary watching over Dr. Carter as Major Carter comes in and is the one to ask, hey, what's going on? Because somebody always has to ask that question. And Dr. Frazier has no idea what's going on other than I think she calls it some sort of seizure thing. Um, When the, the glitching distortion thing happens again and once it's over, Major Carter, like, runs over to her bedside and grabs her hand, which is really cool. Like, I always love when there's, like, doubles of people and they find ways for them to interact because it's, like, it makes it more real that those two people are actually real people in a mm-hmm. scene together. And the Sams seem to know what's happening in Tropic Cascade Failure, which... So, as a, as I like to do my research for these things... Did you look up what the interweb thinks this is? Yes. So what does the interweb think it is? Okay. Well, so there's actually two parts to this. Like there is nothing that exists that's called entropic cascade failure. Like that is not a thing that exists. That's movie magic. Yeah. So the two parts of it are entropy and cascade failure. So the simple part is the cascade or cascading failure. And that happens, um, It's mostly used in terms of electrical systems when sort of one part of the system failures, which causes other parts to have to take up the load of that part and then they get overworked and fail and so on and so forth and so forth. And you get, you know, a cascading failure where one thing fails leading to everything else failing. Right. Mm -hmm. So entropy, though. So I apparently had no idea what entropy is. Because looking into this, I was like, oh, that's not what I thought it was. Which I think is what happened here where somebody thought they knew what entropy was and it's not that at all. No. So. What is entropy really? So entropy is a measure of the number of different ways that a set of objects can be arranged. In very, this is is extremely, extremely basic explanation of entropy because entropy has to do with like the second law of thermodynamics. Mm -hmm. You want to go there? Um, it also it was it was originally sort of conceived as um, to to explain sort of heat and work in like the physical sense of like a system doing work and how heat plays into that kind of thing. But so as that got refined because this was in like you know the 1800s when science and stuff was in its infancy. Um, when science when, it, when science was invented. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so with with it being refined to like a measure of the number of different ways that a set of objects can be arranged, like this has led a lot of people to think entropy is meaning chaos or disorder. And you may have had entropy explained to you in school as like the messy room versus a tidy room, explaining that the messy room has more entropy, which therefore associates entropy with like chaos or disorder and the tidy room is having less entropy which that's not true like as far as entropy meaning disorder or chaos so to continue with the sort of messy versus tidy room 
uh, analogy. The reason a messy room has more entropy is because there are more possible places for each item in that room to be. Like the clothes can be on the bed or in the dresser or on the floor or in the closet or in the hamper. Books can be like on the desk or a table or under the bed, etc. Whereas in a tidy room, the clothes are in the dresser. The books are on the bookshelf and like those are the only places those things go. Interesting. Yes. So I think what they're trying to get at is that the universe doesn't like having two identical sets of particles in existence at the same time because Dr. Carter and Major Carter are completely identical on like an atomic level, as Dr. Fraser had explained earlier with Kowalski in the infirmary. So it's trying to resolve the disorder because these two sets of atoms are existing in two different physical locations at the same time. And that, that I don't like it. So I think maybe that's where they were trying to go when they called it entropy, but I still don't know what cascading failure has to do with this. I don't know. (laughs) These kind of storylines also never really made sense to me. Like as I, I was never really that much into them because it was just, okay, sure. Two people in the same space, whatever. But like, I don't know. It just, it did not seem to me like the universe would break. Plus, shouldn't it be happening to both Sams? Yeah. Because how does how does the universe know which is the Sam that's supposed to be there and which is the Sam that's not? Shouldn't both Sams be experiencing this? Yeah, you should just like pick one and both. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, 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 they're both trying to occupy the same space. Yeah, I don't know. If there's any physicists out there listening <laughs> that want to weigh in on this, <laughs> maybe because in our unprofessional opinion. So, yeah, I don't know. Half the stuff has... we talk about is basically like just, you know, the monkeys that typewrite space Shakespeare. Sorry <laughs> 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 oh, as, as really we is. go for talking yeah. about all these high, highly scientific things. I mean, I got a lot of websites open about like entropy and stuff, though. So I've done my research, not just yes. on Wikipedia. And I so. did enjoy your explanation. It made it made a lot of sense. It was very clear and concise. And Thank nice. you. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a very cool and sciencey sounding term. I just don't know how they think those things relate to what's actually happening. Is this a Princess Bride thing of like, I don't think that word means when you think it means. It might just be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So entropic cascade failure. That's what's happening to Dr. Carter. Why isn't this happening to Kowalski? Probably because the SGC Kowalski is dead which I don't know, sure, I guess, I don't know. Um, But still, Dr. Carter, I guess she had a feeling this might happen, but she thought it would take years and not days. Okay, so how do they fix it? You don't fix it. There's no cure for this. The only way to fix it is for her to go back where she came from, and they can't do that because she'll die because Gould. But if she stays here, she'll die. So, uh, Hmm. Yeah, no good, no, no good, no good solutions right now. So up in the briefing room, it seems like Daniel has an idea because um, one of the things that has also saved them from the ghoul in the past is the Asgard. So maybe they can try contacting the Asgard on the SGA world. So yeah. they, still, they still have the dialing program that got Jack to Othala. So that still exists so they can get that. And, but they still need a power source, and Major Carter has not been able to get the one that Jack built up and running again. And there's quite a few errors in what Major Carter says here. First, she says, like, the Asgard gave them the power device. It didn't. It came from Jack's head in the ancient repository of knowledge. And then, oh, wait, no, the other thing she says is later. Um, but, yeah, but, yeah, no, that device did not come from the Asgard. She's like, that, first, the Asgard had to give us this thing. The Asgard didn't give you no. that thing. No. Um, okay, cool. So we have a plan, but how is Dr. Carter even going to be able to like get to like the gate room and the control room in the SGA to try and put this plan into motion? And that's where Kowalski comes in as he enters the room. And Tilk. Tilk's going to go too. And... Major Carter objects to Tilt going to the whole entropic cascade failure issue when Tilt points out that it took a couple of days for Dr. Carter to start being like adversely affected by this. And Tilt is like, if we're still there in two days, we're going to be dead anyway. So 
<laughs> Way to really lighten the mood, isn't it? Yeah. He's like, if we're still there in two days, we're dead anyways. So I might as well go. Which I mean, he's not wrong. He is not wrong. He's not wrong. Like, okay. So that's our plan. So the plan is we're gonna take the dialing program that we use, put it onto like a hard drive of some kind, and try and get the power source working. And then everybody's gonna go and do something as a distraction so Dr. Carter can do what she needs to do. Cool. So Hammond reluctantly like approves the plan, gives it the go-ahead with the caveat that the mirror be destroyed once everyone is back. So in the lab, the Sams and Jack are looking over the generator while the Sams do a lot of techno babble about capacitors and modulated dampening fields and like, but don't worry, they'll figure it out. They have to because Dr. Carter glitches again. And then here's where the other Nowhere, nowhere in there do they mention reversing the polarization. Polarity. Polarity. Yes. No, not not here. Just no. modulated dampening fields. Not today. Oh, no, okay. No. Only so, only the other thing. Yeah. Here's the other groove. So in 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 this conversation, uh, Major Carter mentioned she had a hard enough time to get it working the first time. She had nothing to do with making this the first time. She didn't even know it was a thing until Jack plopped it on the table and turned it on. Yep. So I again. You need a fangirl on in the writer's room to remind you. You're like, nope, this is not happening. Nope, no. that's not what happened. No. 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 So we cut to the storeroom on base now where the quantum mirror has been brought. And Kowalski is showing Daniel how to operate like the remote for the, for the mirror. And it's apparently very finicky. And they almost get taken out by a couple, couple Jaffa when they pull up the wrong world. There's another... There's apparently a lot of worlds out there where the Stargate base, whatever they call it, wherever they are, has has been taken over by the Gulp. Yeah. Well, you know, there's infinite. Yes, that's that? true. Yes. So Jack come in, comes in to check on them and how, it's co- and how it's going, followed very, very closely by the Sams, who got the generator working. Too closely, I would say, but... I guess who really knows how long it's been since Jack, since Jack left the lab and went to the storage closet. Right. Um, apparently the only piece they were missing was the ratio of the decay rate of Naquita relative to the energy output, which Major Carter got last week with the whole Naquita generator thing from Orban. Yay. And Jack is like, it works. Yes, it works. So. I mean, another, the polarity. <laughs> I mean, you have another cool effect of like Major Carter holding the device and Dr. Carter reaching over to like flip it on. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Again, the same person interacting with the same thing. I like it. Yay. Works. Yes. Yay. So we cut to sometime later and everybody's ready to go. The guys are all in their black ops gear. Sam is back in her civilian clothes and Tilk has been dressed up to look like his evil counterpart, complete with a fake beard. That's how did how he you... know about that? Somebody must have told him. Well, they, like, Kowalski saw him in okay. the yard. Yeah. Because remember, he went to attack Tilk because Tilk invaded the mountain. Yeah, that's true. So, um, It'd be a fun thing of, like, by the way, you have a hideous little goatee thing on the, but I just want to rip it off your face. But yes. anyway, you need that. But here you go. Yeah. Um, so everybody's ready to go. Major Carter will be staying on, you know, Major Carter's not going through, so she'll be staying by the mirror along with a bunch of, like, armed guards in case they need anything, and off they go. Once they're on the other side, everybody immediately ducks for cover as, like, the storage room door is still open, and you can hear Jaffa walking down the hall because they are very loud people. And Jack mines for Daniel to turn the mirror off, and Daniel's like, I don't, I can't, I don't want to do it. Because when you turn the mirror off, when you turn it back on, it's not connected to where you left off. So, like, they have to find the SGC again, which that can be a pain in the butt. So, Jack, or Daniel does turn it off. Did I miss where they explain, like, I got the whole part of you have to find it again because it doesn't connect. But then, like, how does it determine... What you are connected to. Did I miss where they might have thrown that out there? Um, I, th- I think Kowalski says something when you first turn it on. It finds a universe that's close to what your universe is. Like the person who's turning the device on. It will connect to a place that is similar. So mm-hmm. because the realities are very similar. It shouldn't hopefully have to go you know, dial too many worlds to mm. get back. 
but it's still, yeah, but it's still not going to be the exact place. So true. Um, so, but Daniel does turn the mirror off and which is lucky because a Jaffa that walked down the hall kind of doubled back and sort of like peeked into the room again to make sure everything's fine. He doesn't see anything. So moves on. So Jack and Kowalski head out and start following that group of Jaffa that walked by and they're headed towards the gate room. And we see a whole bunch of more Jaffa there, including the other Tilk as a bearded Apophis comes through the gate because again, you need a beard to know that you're from an alternate reality. And evil. And evil, yes. Well, Apophis is usually the sign of like the evil twin. Yes, which we can thank Star Trek for that. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, which I thought it was really interesting that Apophis came through the gate, because why wasn't he on the ship? Well, it seems to me that's how they get, it seems to me that they're gating onto the ship. Right? Because when they all run away, don't they go through the gate? But they can't dial the gate that's on the ship because the point of origin for the gate that's on the ship would also be Earth. And if you dial your own phone number, nothing happens. Mm. So they so, may have they may have just been dialing. They may have just dialed Chulak to get out at the end. So I don't know. Like, that might be a goof. That's on the ship. I don't know. Like when? Where did he come from? I he feel like that was a goof the then, because then. Yeah. Like, when they all run away, they run through the gate, and then when everybody's gone, the ship takes off. So well, there, it looks like they gated up to the ship. I don't think they would leave the ship completely empty, though. I'd imagine no, there's I'm at saying, least a skeleton crew on the ship. I'm saying at the end, when they all yeah. retreat. Yeah, but they can't They can't retreat. To the, I never thought they were retreating to the ship. I thought they were just retreating oh. not here, to be not here. No. <laughs> yeah but i don't know right where did he come from we know not that we know we don't mm. so apophis and like most of the chapa then leave the gate room leaving just tilk and a couple others there and jack tosses like a little piece of debris to get tilk's attention because they need tilk to follow them so they can lead him back to the storage room where the good tilk is waiting he tries to get the other Tilk to renounce Apophis as one true god, as Tilk's MO is these days. He does which, not. Which is not persuasive it's at all. It's you know. not, like, it's just, hey, do this thing. Nope, you die. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh. <laughs> no. So, obviously, bad Tilk is like, uh, no, actually calls him a Shulva. So, Tilk kills him with his staff weapon. And apparently, the plan had been to just zat him. But apparently, Tilk don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. He's like, ours is the only world that matters, so screw this guy. I guess he did decide which reality is the right one. Yes. So our Tilk then exit the closet with Dr. Carter tied up as if his prisoner, and he orders to the Chaffa that had kind of walked up to the door again for some reason to go with him, and... Inside the clo- inside the, the storage room, Daniel's trying to get the mirror back to the correct reality when Jack asks, hey, what's Cree mean? Which <laughs> I think this is another little bit of fan service where because like Cree is used all the time in seemingly different scenarios and people were like, what does it mean? So according to Daniel, well, actually, it means a lot of things. Loosely translated, it means attention, listen up, concentrate. And Jack goes, yoo-hoo. And Dan goes, yes, in a manner of speaking. So we get an actual, I think this is the only, one of the very few Jaffa words. We get an actual, this is what it means, like, in the show. Yeah. So, yeah. I did, yeah. I, I enjoyed that. Yeah. <laughs> so Jack and Kowalski head back out into the halls, and they blast open one of, like, the door hatches and start to head up one of the interior shafts of the facility, because I'm guessing the elevators are probably out of order at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So we uh, cut to... <laughs> I'm going to make myself laugh because I made a joke while I was making my notes. Uh, <laughs> we, we we cut to the control room where Apophis is going ham on Hammond. <laughs> my God. That is uh, not funny. Oh, I'm, oh my God, I'm you. a genius. Come on, Rachel. No, no you. <laughs> you silly uh, thing. Uh, and so the device, this is actually the first appearance of this torture device, um, which apparently is officially called the Rod of Anguish. Oh, I just remember calling it either the pain stick or the torture stick. I like the pain stick. Pain, the pain stick, because it's the, the stick that stick. makes pain. 
Maybe. Maybe Jack calls it the ouch stick or something. I don't know. But apparently it's officially called the rod of anguish. Right. So, Never but, call anything a rod. That just is not... Other than a fishing rod, it just sounds weird. It, it, it is a little weird. But there you go. Um, but Hammond obviously not giving up any information. And Tilk then enters with Dr. Carter. And Apophis orders Tilk to take over the, the beating slash interrogation and get the information out of whichever one of them will give it up. So Apophis and the Jaffa leave. And Hammond just looks at Tilk and says, you might as well kill me. But don't worry, Tilk would never do such a thing, General Hammond. And Hammond is <gasps> like, what? Yeah. And Dr. Carter's like, don't worry, it worked. This is a good guy. He's on our side. He's here to help. So, yay. So, So, Hammond is also a general in this scenario. Yes, it would seem. Unless Jack was the general and Hammond was the second in command, but they've already killed Jack. It's unclear. We do not. Well, actually, well, Till calls him General Hammond. Yeah. So, but I don't, I don't know if Dr. Carter ever does. Hmm. Yeah, she just calls him sir. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I don't know. According mm-hmm. to Tilkey's General Hammond, so right. whether that's official or not, I don't know. Maybe he didn't correct him. He was just surprised that he knew his name was Hammond. Yes. And he was like, you want to call me General? Sure, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> I'll do it. Yeah. Um, so they start to, you know, get Hammond free from the thing he's been tied up in. And uh, Dr. Carter explains that the plan worked. He's from an alternate reality and they're going to try and contact race aliens who are also enemies of the Gould. So hopefully they can help here and now. And we then get a couple quick shots of Jack and Kowalski making their way through the SGC and Daniel still trying to find the right reality flipping through various things. One of which is actually Nem's planet. If you remember that guy from season one. Yeah. So, cause it, it, that BT looking planet, that's Nem's planet. So. Mm, I cannot mm-hmm. remember. Yep. Yay. So Jack and Kowalski have made it to like the power grid and start getting the generator hooked up. And Kowalski brings up the whole Jack and Sam situation. And Jack just does not want to talk about it. He's like, have you heard of this thing called silence? Because that would be great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so again, a quick cut back to Daniel, who still hasn't been able to find the right home quote unquote reality and he finds one that's like really really close but the carter on the other side is still just a captain carter so mm, but she's quite. also like looking very expectantly at the mirror which i thought was interesting because it made me just kind of wonder what's going on there what yeah what urgency are they in yeah it, i mean it basically looks like the setup is exactly the same except she's captain not major yeah so, so. yeah i gotta wonder what oh what's going on there yeah So back in the control room, Dr. Carter is typing away at one of the computers and Tilk then inserts disks or drives somewhere as they wait for the generator to get hooked up and it gets hooked up and there's sort of like a brief power outage and everything powers back on and the gate starts dialing. So yay, yay. Uh, Tilk tells Sam to get down to the gate room as Hammond sort of resumes his fake position as a prisoner there's a Jaffa that enters the gate room and fires his zat at Dr. Carter, who manages to duck out of the way and Tilk yells at him from up in the control room. And while the Jaffa is distracted, Dr. Carter makes it through the gate and the wormhole closes. <sighs> Yay. So part one of the plan, well, part two of the plan, because part one was to get the powered thing hooked up, which it did. Part two was to get Sam through the gate. So two for two. Yay. Move. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Apophis and some other Jaffa have entered the control room, and Apophis, Apophis wants to know why Tilk has betrayed him. It's a funny scene. of just, why? Why, why would why? you betray me? Why, why, why would you do this to me? Yeah. <laughs> I have expected him to be like, you are obviously not Tilk. Tilk would never betray me. But instead, it was more realistic of just like, why? Yeah. Why would you do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Jack and Kowalski have made their way back to the storeroom and they bust it open to find Daniel being held hostage by several Jaffa. Oopsie. So the, 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 the jig is up, as they say. They, they've been discovered. And so everyone is now in the control room kneeling and at the Murphy, at the Murphy, at the Murphy, at the Murphy, <laughs> at the mercy of Apophis and his Jaffa. Apophis demands to know what's going on and how Jack could be alive when he was just killed. And they sat Hammond 
once and like, hey, they eat, take it easy. Jack's like, I'd love to tell you, but I have no idea. I don't understand it myself, so I can't explain it. But Daniel does, though. And Daniel kind of looks at him for a second like, why would you say that? And then Jack kind of like raises his eyebrow and he's like, oh, you want me to vamp. So Daniel sort of starts going in this like super technical explanation about like alternate realities and stuff to like just time (laughs) to try and by time distract Apophis while they wait for the Asgard to hopefully show up but Apophis ain't got no time for this so they zat Hammond again so Hammond is now dead because that's two zat shots no mm, not Hammond yeah so Kowalski lunges for Apophis like you asshole but he gets held back by the Jaffa and Daniel's like, okay, we come from an alternate reality. One, by the way, in which you, Mr. Apophis, are dead. And Jack can't help but, you know, rubbing that in any chance he gets. <clears throat> Daniel then gets added, and Kowalski's like, yells at them about that. And they're about to shoot Daniel a second time when another Jaffa comes running into the control room and has a very urgent conversation in ghouled with Apophis about something and points to the radar and we look up and we see a ship moving very quickly towards the mountain and then the gate starts dialing up somehow I don't I don't exactly know who why or how the gate starts dialing again but it does and Apophis is about to use the ribbon device on everyone when he's beamed away in a flash of light the Asgard have made it so what in the world would Sam have said that would have convinced them to move that fast to come and rescue them? Help the, the, the Gouldar here? Yeah, but they didn't really have, like, they didn't know who they were or have the capacity to really help them all that much, as we learned. Well, if we go by what the Asgard have said about the SGC universe, like... The Asgard have been keeping an eye on Earth for a while. They like, you know, they're they're the Roswell Greys. They are aliens that have yeah, had contact with her, you know. So I'm since these realities are so close, I'm kind of going with that the same thing was happening there. Like the Asgard were keeping a close eye on Earth because they think Earth has great potential and stuff. So somebody shows up and says, "Hey, the Gould are here and destroying everything." They might be like, "Oh shit, we got to get there and help." All right, I'll go with it. That's what I'm going with. Okay. Okay, so the Jaffa that are also there start running through the gate to evacuate the mountain, and a little funny moment as it shuts down, it actually, like, chops off the end of one of the staff weapons. So that question's answered that we've wondered, like, how does it know it doesn't? It just shuts off whenever it wants to, apparently. Yeah. Um, Although I I did notice, because I was, like, thinking about that, like, I kind of rewounded a bit and watched, there was quite a bit of a pause between... Like, that was just sort of, like, one guy by himself that ran through at the end. And there was a bit of a pause between the sort of the last group that went through and him. And if you listen, you can hear the sort of the sound of the gate starting to shut down as that Jaffa runs up the ramp. Ah, so, so he was I think, kind of a surprise. Yeah, it was sort of, he was sort of, like, a very sort of last second made it through as the gate was shutting down kind of thing, I think. Yeah. And then the pyramid ship that was over the mountain is also leaving. And we also get to see a shot of the Asgard ship arriving over the mountain as well. And then Hammond's body gets themed away. That's interesting. So Dr. Carter gets beamed back down and is super excited that she got to meet the Asgard. And then Hammond is beamed back down alive and well. I love how Carter's just like, I'm at the Asgard. Oh my God, you guys are so cool. They're the best. <laughs> and just looking all happy, like, I met the Asgard. Yeah, it is. Got it. Cute. Yeah. Um, so Hammond's alive and well, and Dr. Carter hugs him and gives him a kiss on the cheek, and you just, you gotta love those Asgard guys. No. They're pretty great. Yeah. So back in the storeroom, they have, Daniel has found the right reality, and everybody's preparing to head back, and Kowalski salutes both Jack and Tilk, mm. which is cool. Yay. And uh, Dr. Carter's not loving having to say goodbye to Jack again. And Jack tries to, like, make a joke about, about like, how could you marry a guy like me? I'm bleh. Like, I'm not a good guy. How, what? Whatever. Um, awkward. Terrible. Awkward. Awful. Yes. And he kind of, like, motions Daniel and Tilk to head on through and Kowalski leaves the storeroom, too. 
And Jack and Dr. Carter just kind of look at each other before she kisses him. And like, no, he's not. She's like, "Mm, don't like it. And they kind of separate. And she's like, you're not my Jack. You believed, obviously. And unfortunately, Major Carter oversaw that from the other side of the mirror. And she looks very uncomfortable. And so Jack finally heads back through the mirror. And it turns off. And we end on Dr. Carter standing in the storeroom crying. No. The end. Yeah. I mean, I guess if Jack had ever, you know, any sort of deep feelings that he's got hidden down in there that he ever would have wanted to explore, this would be the time to do it. But Well, we'll get some more about that in season four, which is one of my least favorite episodes because it makes no sense, but. Yeah. It's going to continue to make no sense. It does not for I does not make any sense to me. But yeah. Yeah, yeah but like at this point in time, if he was ever like, mm, maybe, you know, why not? Yeah. But nope. I, but no. nope. Very nope. much nope. Very much nope. Yep. So um all right. Should we move on to memos? <laughs> Are there any memos for this week? Uh Keep the mirror under tighter security. <laughs> if it was just kind of like in a storage room somewhere. Well, it was in a super secure facility. Yeah, I guess that's true. You know, it's not like somebody broke in and found that they came from a different reality. Mm, that's true. Check if the mirror has a power switch, an off switch. <laughs> Turn it off. Yeah. Well, they'll, okay. the, I mean, they do mention at one point, like, hey, you guys never used the mirror here. It's like, well, we don't have the remote control in a, in our universe. Yeah, that is true. So that's kind of uh, a hindrance to actually using the thing. And that's a comment that also feeds the other stuff of, like, why are they acting all, like, surprised that things are different? Because from that comment, it sounded like... They had used it multiple times and had yeah. seen multiple realities. If they're like, yeah. you never used it. Obviously you did. Yeah. They knew that a bunch of stuff was different. Yeah. Oh, weird. Yeah. It's just strange. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Should there be memos on whether or not you're allowed to, like, make out with alternate reality <laughs> team members? <laughs> like, like, that's your hall pass. Uh, I don't know. Jack didn't seem like he really wanted to. Like, Dr. Carter just kind of, like, laid it on him, so. What happens in the alternate reality stays in the alternate reality. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. There's the memo. (laughs) Okay. Um, Okay, so, some notes. So, one of the issues we had the last time with there before the grace of God and Jack and Sam being married was sort of just the timeline of their relationship, given what we know about Jack and the end of his marriage and that he was still married when he went to Abydos. Like they didn't actually get divorced until he came back. And then it was like a year and then the Stargate program started and like, that's when Jack and Sam met. So they meet, fell in love and got married all within a year. Mm -hmm. Seems strange. So um, one user on the the GateWorld forums proposed that in the SGA reality, since there appears to be no Daniel Jackson, either he's dead or never joined the Stargate program, never had anything to do with it. So in the SGA reality, Sam is the one who got the gate working. So Sam actually went on the mission to Abydos, like sort of in Daniel's place and Events happened similarly, not identically, obviously, but similarly enough that that was sort of the start of if you put Sam in the place of Daniel in the movie and if you see what happens with Daniel and Jack's relationship, a similar thing would happen with Sam and Jack's relationship. But Sam is the girl. So obviously it had to turn romantic. And then (laughs) they came back, divorce. Are we doing the thing? We're doing the thing. Fall in love, get married, et cetera. What you think? Interesting. Does that make sense to you? It, yeah. Yeah, it could. Okay. I can dig it. Okay. All right. 
Um, another quick, quick note, Amanda Tapping was nominated for a Leo Award for Best Performance by a Female in a Dramatic Series for this episode. Oh, this particular, well, of course, because she was playing yes. too. Yes. So, yeah. Um, okay, so episode title, Point of View. They're sort of Tilk's line about which, re- like, his reality is being the only one of consequence, but of course that all depends on your point of view. So... Mm-hmm think fairly straightforward this week um not too many different like uh foreign territories titles uh in french we have on the other side of the mirror and in german it translates as lifeline yeah all right so that's that um any final thoughts yeah just didn't like it awkward yeah weird it really just seemed like a way for the writers to be like, look, Jack and Sam are together. Because some people like it. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's cool we got to save another Earth from Google Invasion. That's cool. But, like, this episode really has no impact on our SG-1. And this right. is a show about our SG-1. And nothing really happens with them. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah not my favorite. No, no. My favorite. No. 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 Yeah, this one's definitely down at the bottom of the list for the season for me. Mm-hmm. And I and I yeah. think kind of in general. Mm-hmm. If we're being honest. I'll have I'll have fun coming up with a episode explained badly for this one, I'm sure. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, we had some feedback about our last episode on learning curve. Mm-hmm. Would you like to discuss? Sure. Okay. So we both agreed that sort of the SGC was in the wrong in Learning Curve, and specifically Jack. Like, we thought Jack did not come out looking great in Learning Curve. Um, we got some feedback that says, I disagree with your view of Learning Curve. I consider that you can argue wiping a child's mind could be considered child abuse, and Jack is preventing this abuse. Which, I mean, I never, I guess I never looked at it that way. True. What do you think about that? Which, I mean, we did kind of talk about when we were, you know, thinking out loud of why is it that when all of the little nanites are removed, why does it have to be all of them? Why can't you just leave the kid with enough to, like, still be normal? Yeah. And still have their life and whatever. So, I mean, we did kind of touch on it in that way of why do you have to basically make the kids start over? Yeah. Um, But that does still, you know, bring up the issue of for the beginning of the kid's life, you're still basically just, you know, subjecting them to whatever they're learning, whether or not they like it. Yeah. Um, Which I guess if you're if you're thinking about it could be, I don't know, is it considered slave labor? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we could get into that. And I I think also part of the issue I have is about how Jack went about it. He was just like, no, you're wrong and bad and wrong without really articulating why and trying to persuade them that Mm. this might not be in the best best interest of your people. Just you are wrong and we will not go with it. And learn more and figure out alternatives and say this probably isn't the best way to go about knowledge. Yeah. Figure this out together. So yeah. 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 I think but, I think we all kind of did end up in the same place in the end of being like, well, we all know that this was obviously not the best thing for the kids, but yeah, the episode didn't really explore well enough what alternatives there may or may not be, and the only one we saw was Jack just being like, nope, this sucks. I'm not doing it. Yeah. I mean, Daniel supposedly stayed there to try and persuade them, but we never got to see any of those conversations. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yes. Okay. But still, if you have feedback on anything, please send it in. We love feedback and yeah, discussions feedback. and questions. So, which you can do on Twitter at SG underscore rewatch or send us an email at woo. That's W-O-O-S-G rewatch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please, on wherever you listen to us. And we will see you next time for Dead Man's Switch. Bye. Bye.